Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Acts chapter 10, beginning to read at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Well, it is uh, brilliant to see you here, and uh, it's been uh, a great uh, joy, hasn't it, to see uh, Beth and Joshua and Tammy baptised. Again, I'd like to add my welcome to that of of Pete's, uh, to to you, of course, uh, and to those who've come to support you, families, and others who've come for this uh, special uh, guest service. It is uh, brilliant to have you here. Now, I I don't think this is true for Tammy, but for Beth and Joshua, uh, exams are always not very far away. I know that uh, all the students up there are sort of heading into exam time. I know there's quite a few people here who are heading up for exams, uh, GCSEs, uh, A-levels. They're coming up and uh, probably you thought, I'll come to church on Sunday evening and forget about it. I've just reminded you. Let me tell you about a teenager who was uh, facing a biology exam. Um, He got into the uh, exam room and uh, did what I used to do. He uh, got out his pencil case and lined up his pens and and he took in with him his lucky gonk and he put that on the, on, the ki- on the side as well and sort of took a few deep breaths and he thought, it's okay, biology, I've been, re- re- I've been revising really hard, I'll be okay. And the teacher said, when everybody was sat down and ready, so they said, well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn over the, uh, the exam paper. You'll see just numbers 1 to 40, 1 to 40 down on the exam paper, that's all there is, just numbers. And if you look around the room, you will see birds around the room. You have to identify the birds and write them down on uh, the exam paper, 1 to 40. All the birds are labelled. The thing is, all the birds were covered in hessian sacks and all you could see were the legs of the birds sticking out. They had to identify the birds from the legs sticking out of the bottom of the hessian sacks. 
Now, at that point, this boy's heart sank. He'd been revising hard. He'd stayed up all night revising. I've never done that in my life, but he has. Uh, he'd looked at frog's legs. He knew how to dissect those, but he'd not thought at all about bird's legs. And he wanted to do so well in his exam. He'd thought about photosynthesis. You know, he'd done that, you know, uh, C6O2 plus 6H2O and sunlight, C6H12O6 plus 6O2. I've written this down because I can remember it. <laughs> and uh, he was so frustrated. But he, again, he thought, come on, just gather your thoughts. You can do this. So he started going around the room, along with everyone else, with his paper, 1 to 40, went to bird number 1, and uh, had webbed feet. thought, right, duck, okay, that's fine, duck, and he moved along, and, and then a little bit later, he came to another one with webbed feet, uh, they want more than just duck, they want what kind of duck it is, and this went on and on and on, he became so frustrated, it was so important to him, he got so angry, he had crossings out all over his paper, there was nothing, he just couldn't work out any bird at all from their legs alone, he got so frustrated, he screwed up his exam paper, And he went to the teacher and threw it at him and he said, it's just not fair. And he stormed out of the building. And just as he got to the door, the teacher said, wait a minute, boy, what's your name? And the boy turned around slowly, rolled his trouser legs up and said, you tell me. (laughs) It's just not fair. That's how it is in life. It's not fair. It's not fair on the world stage. There's the appalling tragedy of migrants terribly exploited as they look for some kind of new life in Europe. Many dying on the Mediterranean, having paid thousands of euros to human traffickers who then put them in boats that aren't safe. It's not fair. There are dictators causing havoc in their own country, treating their own people cruelly and appearing to get away with murder. Terrorist groups responsible for unimaginable suffering and many of them never being brought to justice. It's just not fair. Closer to home as we head towards the general election, wanting a just and fair society is perhaps one of the underlying issues in the current debates. And then personally, do we not look for justice When I worked in the newspaper business, it often seemed to be the unscrupulous and ruthless people who walked all over others who were promoted, got the flashy company car and the big wage rises. In my job now, I find myself sitting with delightful, caring people who face the most tragic situations, while those who don't care about others seem to sail through life without any problems. It seems so unfair. And the injustice of it all is enough to cause many to question the goodness of God. I've often had people say to me, maybe you feel this, I can't believe in a God who doesn't care about, and then they talk about the latest tragedy in the world. Well, look, I can't believe in a God who doesn't care about these things either, and Christians don't. We don't believe in a God who turns a blind eye to injustice. Indeed, Jesus Christ commanded his followers to tell people That very thing. Look with me at the words of one of Jesus' first followers. His name is Peter. Uh, Emma just read the words for us. But uh, I've had the the two verses that I'm going to relate to, uh, refer to today, uh, printed out on the service order. At the top of page four. Here are some words of the Apostle Peter. Peter, one of Jesus' first disciples. And uh, have a look at that first verse. It's Acts chapter 10, verse 42. 
Peter says, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Now, do you see what that says and what it means? It means there will come a day when Jesus Christ will put all wrongs right. I don't know about you, but when I watch the television news, I can become a bit immune to all the rubbish I see. There seems to be so much bad news every day, so many tragedies, and it just kind of washes over me. It makes no impact on me. But sometimes I see something that leaves me completely outraged. I remember feeling it when the events of 9-11 unfolded live on the television. Maybe you felt it more recently as you've seen IS beheading innocent aid workers or heard of the thousands and thousands of people dying of Ebola, and the international response being slow. I don't know what it is, but there's some news stories, when you see them, those events make you angrier and you call out for justice. That sense of injustice that you and I feel is right. And God feels it too. He's angry at what he sees. And the good news is he won't ignore it. That's what this verse tells us. He has appointed Jesus as judge of the living and the dead. There will be a day of justice. Isn't that good to know? We don't want a God who lets people off. We're outraged when that happens in our law courts. Those of you who are around my age and a bit older might remember a judge called James Pickles. Do you remember that name? He became infamous for his contentious sentencing decisions and press statements. One of his most controversial was a case in early 1989 when he sentenced a man to a period of probation after he was convicted of sexually assaulting a six-year-old girl. Unsurprisingly, there was huge public outcry, and rightly so. We abhor injustice in our law courts. We want justice, and we want a God who is just. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ has been appointed as judge, a judge who is completely just, impartial and incorruptible. And he's a judge who needs no jury because he knows and sees everything. So he will make a completely just judgment. That is very good news because we're crying out for someone who can bring justice to our world. But it is also very serious news for us. For Jesus Christ will also judge each one of us. Look again at verse 42. Jesus commanded us to to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Judge of the living and the dead includes everybody. For that includes uh, you and me, everyone on this planet alive now, and everyone who has ever lived, living and dead, will all stand before Jesus Christ as judge which actually means we're in great danger. Some years ago, one of the, uh, one of the very best holidays uh, we ever had, Caroline and I, before our children were born, we went to, um, uh, to Canada, to the Rockies. Uh, sorry, it wasn't because the children, before the children were born, it was good. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, no, no. We just had a good time uh, before they were born. And uh, it was in Canada, it was in the Rockies. Um, and uh, as we were driving uh, into, uh, into the area, we'd, uh, we'd landed in Vancouver and we were driving across and uh, we went to one of the uh, tourist centres there and uh, they give out these, um, uh, these leaflets, have a, a big picture of a, a bear on the front and it says on the front, vous êtes au pays des ours. For those of you doing French, uh, roughly translated, it says that 
you are in bear country. I know that because it says it on that size in English. Um, uh, you are in bear country. And um, it's basically a, a leaflet telling you um, how to avoid a bear encounter. Lots of bears, you know, uh, very, very dangerous things. And it, it's really helpful. This would be worth listening in. If ever you're in, uh, you know, in bear country, you'd want to know how to avoid a, a bear encounter. So uh, tips for safe camping. If you were camping, put away food and garbage. Bears are strongly attracted to these. Keep your campsite clean, that sort of stuff. The use a flashlight at night, that's a torch for you and me. Uh, many animals feed at night and, and the use of a flashlight may warn them away. Uh, stay away from dead animals and berry patches. These are important food sources for bears, so stay away from those. Uh, watch for bear signs, tracks, fresh diggings and droppings. You know, that sort of thing. Here's one, leave your dog at home. Hmm. A dog often infuriates a bear, often infuriates me. Um, uh, may bring on a bear attack. So it's got all that sort of, really useful. Then it talks about if, you happen, you know, if you've done all that, but you still encounter a bear, it says this. Despite taking all the precautions outlined in this brochure, you may still encounter a bear. So then it tells you what to do if you encounter a bear. Here's the first one. Do not run. Really? Then it goes on to say, most bears can run as fast as a race course. A scream or sudden movement such as running can trigger an attack. Face to face with a bear, don't run. Then it says this, watch the bear for aggressive behaviour. <laughs> this includes snapping its jaws together, making a woofing sound, or keeping its head down with its ears laid back. Any bear that moves towards you, you should be considered aggressive. Oh, yeah, I bet you should. <laughs> Wait for the next bit. Keep calm. <laughs> Assess the situation. There's no guaranteed life-saving method of coping with an aggressive bear. Keep calm. It's all down here, this one. Sometimes bears will bluff. Sometimes bears will bluff their way out of a threatening situation by charging and then veering away at the last second, so back away quietly. Never run. (laughs) Running towards you. Calmly walk. And then it says, if you are attacked by a bear, uh, there's two different types of bear in, in, uh, in Canada. There's the grizzly bear and the black bear, and you have to respond differently to each one. Grizzly bear... Playing dead, curling up in a ball, covering your face, neck and abdomen may be effective. Remain still until the bear leaves the area. Fighting back usually increases the intensity of so I'm going to fight back. <laughs> and, but if it's a black bear, so okay, you've got to curl up in a ball like a little hedgehog if it's a, a grizzly bear. If it's a black bear, playing dead is seldom appropriate. Try to escape to a secure place such as a car or building or climb a tree. So you've got it. If it's a grizzly bear in a ball, if it's a black bear up a tree, okay? Then it tells you here, there's a picture on how you can work out which is a black bear and which is the grizzly bear, and it gives you a very helpful description of both. So the grizzly bear colour varies from black to blonde. (laughs) Black bear colour varies from black to blonde. This is useless. (laughs) Absolutely useless. Anyway, I tell you about this leaflet because Caroline and I were walking one day in the Canadian Rockies. It was perfect. We were on holiday. The views were spectacular. If you need to go, I'd I'd encourage you to go. I was with the woman that I love. It couldn't have been better. Everything was perfect. And then, some way into the walk, we saw a sign that had been posted by the park ranger. Beware, bear seen in this area. Proceed with extreme caution. 
Now, quite frankly, when you've read this leaflet, it puts the wind up you, and when you come across those signs, you don't hang about, and so we didn't. Our idyllic walk was over. Without wanting to sound melodramatic, although we weren't aware of it, for quite some time, our lives were in danger. A bear was in the area. And when we saw the sign, we had to decide whether the sign was there, put there to ruin our fun or to save our lives. We decided it was there to save our lives. And so we scarpered and returned to our car immediately, being big, brave man that I am. The thing was, we'd walked quite some way and we didn't feel as if we were in danger at all. It was just perfect. And you may not feel as if you're in danger tonight. But here's the sign. Jesus is going to look at your life and mine and he's going to judge you and me one day. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm honest with myself, then... If I take an honest, serious look at my life, then facing Jesus as my judge leaves me in great danger. The truth is I don't live as I should. I don't even live up to my own standards, let alone God's. The hard truth is that we live in God's world enjoying all the good things that God has given us without any reference to God in our lives. Many of us ignore God. Some of us only turn to him when we need him. A friend of mine um, travelled with... um, uh, with Indonesian Airways uh, a few years back, and uh, he brought back for me this, um, it's called an invocation card. It's a leaflet with um, prayers in it for a safe journey in all the different languages of the world. And uh, you, you, you know, when you go to your, um, to your seat in, in, front of, in front of you, you pick out, you know, the, uh, the, the various details, you know, the, the magazine to see what you want to buy from, uh, from, from the, from the aeroplane. And you pick out sort of the card to tell you what to do in case of an emergency. And you pick out your invocation card, tells you to pray for a safe journey. Here's the one in English. Lord in heaven, we praise and thank thy blessings and endless love in our life. In this opportunity, we call thy holy name to accompany our journey. We believe thou will guard and protect our plane from any disturbance and danger. To all the air crew, thou will lead their duty in order for us to arrive in destination in time and safety. Indonesian Airways are saying, if you're going to arrive in one piece, you'd better start praying. It doesn't really help you. It doesn't give you much confidence, doesn't it? I'd be fascinated, though, to know how many people grab for this and pray this prayer when they're on the plane. People who never pray at any other time. And never mind Indonesian Airways. On any flight, I wonder how many people send up a little prayer as the plane takes off. People who never pray at any other time. The airlines don't always help, of course. About 10 or 12 years ago, when I lived in London, I was asked to speak at a conference in Northern Ireland. I flew from Heathrow to Belfast, and I will never forget, as we taxied along the runway at Heathrow, uh, and we were about to take off, the music being piped through the aircraft was Ronan Keating's song, If Tomorrow Never Comes. (laughs) I remember hearing that wonderful line, If My Time on Earth Should End. It's enough to make anybody reach for their invocation card, I tell you. Anyway, my point is this. That's how we treat God. We live life without him, and then when we need him, we turn to him. Now, look, I don't like it when people treat me that way, and it's no way to treat almighty creator of the universe. So although he gives me everything, he's given me life, he's given me every breath that I take, he's given me a beautiful world to live in. What a glorious day we've had today. He created relationships to enjoy. He's given me so much, yet I barely give him a second thought. He tells me how to live. He tells me to put others before myself because that's the best way for the world to work and it's the best thing for me, but I'm still selfish and self-centered. I get grumpy and irritated when things don't go my way. Worse, I think bad thoughts of others. I don't need to go on. 
Most of us, when we're honest with ourselves, know that we haven't lived as we should. We've hurt others. We've ignored God. And so I don't know how it is for you, but for me, the thought of meeting Jesus as my judge is a terrifying prospect. Of course, the question tonight is, what is reality? Do you remember the film Titanic? There is a brilliant scene that comes just after the captain, the engineer and a handful of others have come to the realisation that in a few hours the great ship will be at the bottom of the ocean. At that point, the director takes us to the grand ballroom. It's a scene of jollity and grandeur. The first class passengers don't have a care in the world. They're oblivious to the reality. The ship is going to sink, but they have no idea. And what a scene. The chandeliers are resplendent. The wide curved staircase is regal. Everywhere glitters finished in gold leaf. The people on the ballroom are dripping in jewels. Most are attired in the latest and most expensive clothes from the fashion centres of the world. The look on their faces says they don't have a worry in the world. They are on the best cruise liner in the world. The reality is, in a few hours' time, the whole ship will be hundreds of feet down at the bottom of the ocean, and many of them will have perished. That's reality. But none of them could see it. And we, too, are in a titanic situation. Jesus Christ sees everything in our lives. He sees the things that go on in private when the front door is closed, in the privacy of our bedrooms, the things that go on in our minds, the dark secrets, the skeletons in our cupboard the past and so the reality is we're in great danger Jesus Christ is going to judge the living and the dead he's going to judge you and me and here's the thing it's good news that Jesus has been pointed as the judge of the world because we want justice in the world but we can't have it both ways because that means his judgment will fall on us as well but that's not the end of the story The most amazing good news about Jesus Christ is that even though we treated him badly, he's done the most amazing thing to rescue us. Look at the second verse that is written here in Acts chapter 10, the things that the Apostle Peter said. Verse 43. All the prophets, that is all those who wrote in the Old Testament, testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You and I will face God as our judge. But God has given us a way to be forgiven. To be put right with him. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven. There's a gravestone in the States with the inscription, I want to stand where you're standing. And the gravestone tells the story of one incident during the American Civil War. A war, as you know, fought between the Yankees and the Confederates. Uh, fought between people who often knew each other, two towns, you know, sort of fighting each other, a bit like people from Sheffield fighting people from Rotherham, a bit like, you know, Saturday down at the, uh, down at, down, down at the city centre, um, fighting each other, and it was serious. And uh, this particular story uh, on the uh, gravestone tells of one incident when um, uh, a, a, a group of uh, Confederates were lined up in a, shoot, in a firing squad, and there were Yankees about to shoot them, And just before the captain said fire, one of the Yankees threw down his gun and marched over to his captain and he said, I can't shoot this man, I know him. 
I can't shoot him. I feel that if I shoot him, not only do I end his life, but I know he's got a wife at home and children, and I'll end their lives as well. And uh, a discussion went on, and after a bit of discussion, they agreed that the Yankee could swap places with the Confederate and the Confederate go free. And so the Yankee walked up to the Confederate and said these words, I want to stand where you're standing. Uh, The Confederate went free and moments later the Yankee was shot dead. That's what, well, it's a little picture of what Jesus Christ did as he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's as if he said to you and me, I want to stand where you're standing. We deserve to meet him as our judge and be condemned for the lives we live. And it wouldn't be right for him just to let us off. That wouldn't be just. But he loves us. And so he says, I won't just let you off. I'll take the punishment. I'll stand where you're standing. So that, as it says here in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that means we can face God as our judge with confidence. The sentence, the punishment for our sins has been paid. That is what this baptism service is all about. Beth and and, and Joshua and Tammy have all come to understand this. They all understand that they can't be right before God by their own efforts. They know they've failed. And this uh, wonderful service today has talked about forgiveness as Pete explained to us earlier, as the water is, is a picture, just a picture of being cleansed, of being forgiven, of being right with God. You know, it is a wonderful thing to know you're forgiven. It means I'm not perfect, but I know I'm right with God anyway. And so, you see, we all have a choice. We can continue to live lives our own way and meet Jesus Christ as our judge one day and hear him declare us as guilty because we're not going to ever be able to deal with all the stuff in our lives. Or we can meet Jesus as our rescuer, as our saviour, as the lifeboat. Let him take our place as he says to you, I want to stand where you're standing. And when we accept that by believing in him, we can know that he's taken all the punishment from us forgiven and cleansed it's a wonderful thing and I wouldn't be at all surprised if some of you here tonight are saying you know I'd like to know some more about this Uh, maybe this is completely new for you and you're thinking "I I need to look into this some more because if this is right this is not worth missing out on but I'm not yet convinced that's that's fine some of you will be saying you know I'm pretty much convinced and I really do want to start with Jesus Well, you can do nothing better than to come along to this uh, course that uh, Pete mentioned called Christianity Explored. Uh, There are loads of these around. I'm going to have a bunch of them on the door and uh, you can grab one of these from me or ask Pete or I about this course. It starts a week on Tuesday, 10 o'clock in the morning if you're free during the day. Uh, Coffee and cake, informal situation, chance to ask any question. At 7.15 in the evening, a week on Tuesday with a meal informal chance to chat ask any question just listen in if you like come for one week and see if you like it if you don't like it and you never come back that's fine just come and see come and see how you can find out how you can be forgiven it's a wonderful thing well look thanks very much indeed for listening Uh, thanks for coming along Uh, it's been brilliant to have you here we're going to conclude 
our meeting now by singing. Uh, well, first, we're going to have a solo. Uh, it's going to be amazing grace. Grace, the good things that God gives us, this amazing thing of freely giving us forgiveness. We're going to sing, we're going to hear the, the, the band sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> 